This podcast is for anyone that works with clients at an ad or marketing agency, also known as a sued traditionally. This is your chance to hear from client service veterans and other industry professionals on everything advertising and account management related. My hope is every episode will all get a little better at what we do every day. Well, hello, listeners near and far. Gather around the Suits Cast fire, and there are certainly some fires around because it is cold. Even here in Florida, uh, some of you may be far north thinking that I am a baby, but fires aside, uh, it is cold, which means we are in the new year, and there's always going to be a lot of changing in advertising, uh, different trends coming through with the new year, but specifically on the client side, clients are still human beings like they always have been, and while there will be some changes this year, a lot of our clients will be going through a lot of the same things, and so I'm very excited today to have a guest that I've been following for a while personally that has fantastic experience working with clients and advising agencies on client service throughout changes, throughout non-changes. And if you've been in the agency space for uh, a couple of years at least, and especially if you are an agency owner or in a leadership C-level position, there's a good chance you've heard of today's guest. His name is Drew McClellan. He actually is in a unique position of being both an agency owner and running an agency resource shop. Uh, He started his own agency in the mid-90s, and they're approaching their 25-year anniversary with some consistent clients, which is very impressive. But he also started around that time the Agency Management Institute, which serves to advise agencies, both in leadership and their staff with different workshops, different trainings, different resources on how they can do a little bit of everything better. And in addition to that, he is a pretty prolific writer. You've probably seen some of his articles on HubSpot. In recent years, Ad Age has called him a top blogger in the industry. Wall Street Journal has called him a top 10 blogger for entrepreneurs to tune into. And so even before he started his own agency and AMI, uh, his agency experience was a, a good bit in the client facing roles even before then. And so I'm excited to have him on the show. It's a big honor. Like I said, I have been following him for a while. He does actually have a podcast associated with AMI called Build a Better Agency Podcast. And even if you are like me and you're not an agency owner, still definitely recommend tuning in because it's got some good insights. But anyway, how are you doing, Drew? Thanks for being on the show. I am good. Thanks for having me. You're in a really unique position of both owning an agency and running the Agency Management Institute. I, I feel like I feel like just being at an agency as an account executive, I already have very little time as it is to just get through my stuff each day. How, how is that managing an agency and running AMI? Well, it, it sounds daunting, but um, honestly, for me, <clears throat> you know, I I'm very blessed. My agency staff, I have a super long tenure of staff. So my average employee has been at the agency for 17 years. So um, I they make it possible for me to split my focus and my time because they're so good at their job and they take such good care of our clients on the agency side that I can spend um, a lot of my time on the Agency Management Institute side, coaching and working with other agency owners. Yeah, that's that's good. And and the long tenure definitely speaks to, I'm sure you guys have a, a pretty cool culture with how you guys work together. Uh, one of the things I mentioned in my intro was how account management, there are changes and there are also non-changes as time goes on and society changes. With having a, a great run with your agency of coming up onto 25 years and now with AMI, how would you say either with you or your team, your account management philosophy has changed or either not changed over all these years? Well, I think, you know, if I think back, you know, when I started my career, so, you know, 30 years ago, 
You know, I think when you start in the business, you think your job is to make the client happy and do what they want you to do. And what I, what I realized quickly in my career and what I teach in our AE boot camps is um, the, this idea that really account service people are in a very unique role. And so picture a triangle with a dot in the middle of the triangle. And the reality is account people serve three masters. First and foremost, um, you serve the agency owner and the agency. If you're not doing what the agency needs you to do and the agency can't make money because you're over-servicing clients or you're making mistakes or whatever it is, um, that's a problem. You certainly serve the the client um, and, and not in an order-taking way, in a you need to be their thinking partner. You need to help them build strategy around their business. You need to really understand their business. And, and what I mean by that is how do they make their product or service? How do they go to market? How do they price it? How do they sell it? How do they distribute it? All those sort of things. And then the third point on the triangle that is also your master is the internal team, right? So it is your job to make sure that uh, your digital team, your creative team, your media partners, whoever that may be, delivers on behalf of both the agency and the client. And so the way I describe it is that you are in the center of this constant hurricane and you can either <laughs> and you can either be bring calm to that, you can be the eye of the storm, or you can add to the chaos. And so over time, I think my my idea of account service has really shifted to, in many cases, you are kind of a ringmaster of making sure that everybody else has everything they need and knows everything they need to know so that the work that needs to be done to deliver the outcomes for each of those audiences, because you have outcomes that are specific to each of them, are met and exceeded. And and so I think it's a really unique position in an agency. I think it's a daunting position. I think there's a lot of pressure and responsibility because you're not just there to get stuff through the agency and get it done. It's true. And I, I really like that analogy of the hurricane or more specifically the triangle with a dot in the middle. It certainly can feel like you're I think you're you're flanked on all sides as you're trying to please your masters like you worded it. But one thing that I'm really impressed with is that at your agency on the website. And like we've mentioned, uh, some of your clients have stayed with you for for over 20 years. And, you know, that's impressive in addition to your employee tenure. Are there any specific aspects, and this probably does go back to the triangle analogy, are there any aspects of account service that you feel have really contributed to this level of loyalty? Yeah, I, I think one of the one of the core tenets of the way we work with clients is that we really embed ourselves in their business. So, you know, earlier I said you need to really understand the business and how they go to market and all of that. And we spent a lot of time learning all of that and and not just intellectually investing, but really emotionally investing. So our clients know that we actually care about the results and that we are, you know, we're, we're sort of rooting for them. We're cheering for them to do well and we're doing everything that we can to be a, a good partner in that. And, and all of that sounds a little cliched, but it, what it means is when they text you on Saturday morning, you answer their text. Right. What it, what it means is that when, you know, that you understand how your client gets compensated and bonused and make sure that those ROI net results are in your marketing plan so that they get their bonus. Um, you know, like, for example, I was talking to an account exec and, and she was telling me that 
their client earns a bonus if they do not spend their entire marketing budget. So literally one of the metrics wow. that they use throughout the year is that they track to the penny what they've spent and make sure they come in, you know, three to five grand to under. That's very interesting. Person gets their bonus, right? So I, I think it really is, there is no, there are certainly some best practices for account service, uh, you know, and I, it's responsiveness and all the things that, that you would, you know, you guys already all know. But I, I do think that this is not a casual arm's length business. You have to really be ready to kind of crawl into the muck with your client and sort of slog it out together. And when you do that sort of thing, when you show up in that way, I think that loyalty is rewarded. Absolutely. And we've all heard that analogy of death by a thousand cuts. You know, it's, it's, I think sometimes, you know, a, a client can forgive a big mistake when you own up to it. But I think what really can damage so many relationships as we've all seen is when a lot of little mistakes happen. And I think if you flip that on its head and you almost think of it as victory from a thousand cuts, uh, whereas like you're saying, it's, it's not necessarily any one thing, but it is the, the little things like, you know, when they do reach out to you on Saturday morning, you do respond when they do have kind of a quick or an odd request that is going to be a little bit of a pain for you, but is going to make their day a whole lot easier. You just go ahead and do it. I think that's uh, that's a very good piece of advice. Now, despite the the consistency of clients that you've had and the success, you don't get to an area of success without having your stumbling blocks along the way. And so. Sure. What I'm curious of is we've all experienced various client defeats that stays with us over the year that hopefully we're in a mentality that we're learning from. Uh, what what was one of those for you? Was there anything in a, in a major client defeat that in account service, there may have been something that could have prevented it or something that could have been done differently? Well, yeah, you can't be in the business for as long as I have and not, you know, tripped several times. Um, but, you know, there's there's consistency in those moments where you didn't really deliver your best self and your best work. And, and, um, I, I think the biggest mistake an AE can make is the game playing that sometimes goes, I think you have to really understand what everybody needs and wants from you. And I think you have to be very clear in communicating what those needs and wants are. And, and for example, I think one of the places where certainly I have made the mistake and I know a lot of AE struggle with it is when a client's work is going out of scope and you don't want to have that difficult conversation or maybe you weren't managing the details and mm -hmm. now all of a sudden we're out, of, we're out of budget range or what they're asking for is not a part of the scope document or whatever. I think one of the things you have to be really good at as an AE is stepping right into difficult conversations and having them with a candor and a compassion, uh, but having them. And I, and, and the biggest mistakes that I have made in my career have been when I have dodged having difficult conversations, either with my boss or with uh, a client or with somebody on the internal team, because I knew that there was going to be blowback from it, or I knew that they were not going to be happy with the situation. And so I, sort of thought, well, maybe I can fix this without anyone noticing. And I, that never happened. And so something that could have been handled quickly became a big, hairy deal. And, you know, in some cases cost us clients and, um, in other cases caught, you know, broke relationships or cost trust. And so I think an AE has to be really ready to, lean into those conversations and be ready to talk about difficult things like money and mistakes 
and the kind of things that we run into every day in our work. Being ready for those difficult conversations. I think nobody, I think very few people want to rush into a difficult conversation. And so it may sound cliche to, you know, get out of your comfort zone, but it's totally true. And, And I think that if someone is willing to go into those difficult conversations first and foremost, I think in the long run, clients probably respect you a little more, even even if it does end up maybe you don't work together quite as much or quite as long. Clients do appreciate the respect of you're willing to kind of take responsibility up front and not hope that it gets resolved on its own, right? Well, I think not only that, but I think, A, if you go back to our earlier point of, you know, if you show up in a way that shows that demonstrates that you genuinely care most clients or most agency owners or most you know creative directors or whoever you're sideways with most of those people are going to give you a fair amount of grace um because in a lot of cases it's not that you did something wrong sometimes it is you for, you dropped the ball or you forgot something but sometimes it's just the way things played out so i think they're willing to give you that grace and now you have a relationship that you've sort of got deposits in the bank that you can withdraw from when you need to um to sort of move through those difficult times and and i think not only do they respect you but now they the trust is is greater because they know good or bad you're going to shoot straight with them and i think one of the <clears throat> we do a lot of research where we talk to cmos and in fact we just um this last summer did a study where it was all about what do you want from your account executive and and what are you getting? And, and, um, and that's on our website. So remind me, I'll give you the URL for that. You can stick it in the, in the um, show notes because people can download that information for free. Definitely will do. But anyway, uh, one of the things that we heard from the clients over and over again is that when we talk the truth to them in good and bad, they now know that they can count on us telling them the truth. And so mm-hmm. the trust that that is built between the client and the AE is stronger and better. So if anything, quite honestly, jumping into those difficult conversations earlier, actually, even if you're delivering bad news, actually makes the relationship better. It's when, it's when you try and hide stuff that um, now all of a sudden, you know, you get that weird spidey sense that somebody's not being honest <laughs> with you. And, you know, and then that's when the clients start to not tell you what their budget is or all the weird things clients do when they don't trust us. Right. And that's a good, I think, solution for, like you said, communication being so important when you do see something, a difficult discussion or some type of obstacle that has arrived being in front of it. But sometimes you've seen this in experiences, I'm sure too, sometimes an account might just be in free fall long term. And it just maybe is just over time, things are just not clicking. A client may be unhappy with an agency or an AE. Do you have a a specific protocol for an AE or an account team to properly diagnose what's going on with a long-term negative account and identify how to move forward on it? Well, I think there's a lot of ways to do that. I mean, I think the first way is just to, in some cases, it's not the AE's role to do that. So sometimes it's a agency owner needs to talk to business president or client contact and have a different level of conversation. So it may be something that in some cases, some something is trickling down to your client contact and they don't even understand why things are out of whack or why things are not going well, or they know something that they have not been given permission to talk to you about that, that the owner of the business may be willing to share with the agency owner. So first of all, I think one of the mistakes AEs make is that they forget that um, agency life is a team sport. 
And speaking as an agency owner and the fact that I talk to them every day, I will tell you that the one thing agency owners hate is surprises. So if you're getting a weird vibe from a client, do not keep that to yourself. Go to your boss and say, here are the three things that make me think something is going on over at company XYZ. I, my plan to solve that or to try and diagnose what that is, is this, what do you think of that? And what role, if any, do you think you need to play in this? They would much rather have that conversation with you than all of a sudden get the call from the client that you got fired. So, so first of all, I think step one is recognize that it's a team sport and it may not be your place. The second thing is, um, you know, I think having a, a conversation with a client saying, you know, boy, it seems like we are out of step or seems like uh, approvals are taking a lot longer or boy, it seems like we are not hitting the mark creatively and we can't, we can't get where you want us to go. Can we talk about that and come up with some solutions to solve it? So I, again, throwing it out on the table and identifying it and then, because the client's probably feeling it too. And so now you can have a conversation and, and another tool quite honestly is to use a third party and do a client satisfaction survey. Oftentimes, we just completed one for a client. Interesting. <clears throat> I'm always stunned at what people will tell us that they don't tell the agency. And 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 here's the deal. Human beings, as a general rule, want to be nice. And so if I really, if I think my account person is too inexperienced or too junior or keeps making mistakes or whatever... I may not tell the account person and I may not tell the agency owner, but when I get a letter saying, Hey, we're going to have a third party talk to you about our service and, and what you love about the agency, what you don't love, man, they can't wait to get on the phone and talk <laughs> about that. Not only the bad, but the good too. Oh, of course. And that, so that's interesting. So, so you guys get, uh, the, the insight from the client via this client survey. And then right. I, obviously the client isn't, there's a reason they're telling you not the agency. So how, how does that data, I guess, factor in with being like, Hey guys, your client said some really interesting stuff, but we're not going to tell you, you know what I well, mean? Typically we're talking to all of their clients, right? So, gotcha. so then we're preparing a report that is, <clears throat> it's anonymous, uh, so we, we promise them anonymity unless they say, no, it's okay. Tell them that I said it, but quite honestly, patterns emerge and you can say, you know, okay, look, you have a serious problem with your proofreading that, you know, you guys are sending stuff out with typos and this and that, or in the verbatims, when you read them, you're like, okay, I know Bob said that. Right. I mean, you can sort of right. pick out some things. So, um, so it's, so all of those things can can solve a client woe. And, and quite honestly, sometimes you can't solve it. So every agency makes the mistake of taking clients on that they have no business taking on. So either they are a bad fit for you culturally, they're a bad fit in that it, what they want is really not your core, your agency's core expertise. And, and the best AE in the world may not be able to save that. So you also can't take the whole thing on your shoulders and say, we lost a client. That's that's totally on me because again, it's a team sport. One of the things you said is you you talked a little bit about junior AE, AEs. Uh, AEs maybe they just are either making mistakes or uh, maybe just aren't as experienced. And so something that that I have seen over the years and I've I've experienced, um, you know, when I was younger, a little younger, both agencies and clients are human beings, and human beings in order to interact, there's a level of chemistry there, and sometimes 
with younger folks, younger folks and older folks, maybe not gel as well, or certain personalities might not gel when it comes to having a client contact. Uh, just, I guess, just to be upfront with you, I think, I think if you're honest with yourself, you can kind of identify your sweet spots. If there's a client contact that's in the the 30 to, to 45 range, I would say that's from a chemistry standpoint, that's kind of my, my personal sweet spot. But especially when I go male and I go much older, that's where I have seen, uh, you know, a little bit of friction from a chemistry standpoint. When you do see those situations where maybe someone who is younger or not as experienced is starting off, maybe not on the best foot with a client contact, what, what steps do you recommend to really improve that relationship? Well, I, th- I think the key word is relationship. So I think, um, especially if there's a huge age disparity, um, a lot of times I think junior AEs sort of get treated like the kid. Um, and you, first of all, you have to look in the mirror and, and see how much of that is ego. Cause the reality is you are a kid, right? So, right. <clears throat> you know, I, everybody wants to be perceived as, as being the solution or the right person. But, you know, if you're 25 years old, a 55 year old, you know, CMO has every right to look at you as a kid. And, right, and to acknowledge your level of experience. So, but, but that doesn't mean that you can't be a valuable part of the team and it doesn't mean you can't earn their respect. But what I, what I would do, if you're, if you're feeling like there's just something a little off in the relationship, I would ask that client if I, I would find ways to spend more time with that client. Mm-hmm. I would get to know them on a more personal level. I would let them get to know you on a personal level. Again, there's a fine line there. So, you know, you want to get them, let them get to know. So I often talk, and this gets to social media too, because a lot of times we connect with our clients on social media. Mm -hmm. If you're going to do that, or if you're going to let a client get to know you personally, it's sort of the stories you would tell your mom or at church version of you, right? So you're not, you're not lying, but you don't need to share everything. Right. So um, I think you have to be really mindful of the presence that you put out in social. So one of the things I would say is if you're out of whack with a client and you're connected with them or they're tracking you on social, I'd be paying attention to how I show up there. So Mm -hmm. if I'm always complaining or I'm always partying or I'm always fill in the blank, right? Mm -hmm. Um, That's I'm tainting the view of the client. Um, but regardless of that, what I, what I would say is it's, it's about time. It's about getting to know them. It's about actually creating a relationship rather than just calling it a relationship. You have to make one. And the way you make a relationship is by spending more time with them. A great way to do that, because most clients aren't going to want to have coffee with you every day. Um, a great way to do that is to ask the client if you can shadow them for a day and really Mm -hmm. learn about what their life is like. Because I think especially if you've started your career and you've only worked on the agency side, it's hard to understand how different the client side work is and, and the number of meetings and stuff that they have to do. I mean, if you think your life is a lot of meetings, you go to the client side for a day or two and you will be grateful for the three or four meetings a day you have. (laughs) Um, So I, I think it's about actually getting to know them and spending more time with them. Yeah. And I think it speaks to when you talk about being careful when you do personally get to know a client, being very mindful of of what you share and what is kind of out there and what is public, especially if it's social media. And I think that that speaks to a level of 
accountability and and making sure there's a accountability there. And interestingly, you wrote an article a couple of years back on HubSpot that is called The Three Traits of a Great AE. I will put a, a link for listeners in the show notes. But one of the things you say, speaking of accountability, is that successful AEs want to be held accountable through goals. Uh, talk a little bit about, you know, I, I think in the agency culture, there can sometimes be a desire to defend uh, constantly prove your value, constantly almost be be fighting for just another reason to for your client to be happy. But I think that sentiment of well, my personal desire is to be accountable for what I do. Talk about talk about that sentiment a little bit, and and why that's such an important thing. Most AEs, the vast majority of AEs, are pretty Type A. I mean, we're we're type we're so Type A that like if we do something that's not on our to do list, we write it on the to do list so we can cross it off. Kind of right. Type A people, right? <laughs> so we're goal oriented, and quite honestly, the agency game can be pretty nebulous. And so, if you actually want to know how you're doing, and if you aspire to continue to grow professionally, the only way to do that is to set and achieve goals. And so, you know, really. There are goals, again, within each of the sectors of people that we deal with. We we should ask, have from our agency owner goals. So we, you should be having one-on-one -on -one meetings with your direct supervisor. You should be getting annual reviews. And in those conversations, you should be setting and they should be providing some direction around what they want you to learn and how they want you to grow. And if you're managing a book of business for your agency, what is your responsibility in terms of growing that book of business? And all those things, whether it's on time, on budget, whatever it is in your shop, it's hard to win a game if you don't know the rules and there's not a finish line. And so I think AEs need that. And again, I think you want to know what your client's goals are and what they're, how they're being measured and make sure that you bake those metrics into the work that you do for the client. And you also have internal goals in terms of how, how do I work with my team? You know, creative people, you know, when they see an AE walking towards them, they have one of two reactions, which is either, ugh. <laughs> or yay, right? And you want to be the AE that they're like excited to work for because your creative brief is great and you've, even if you're not giving them enough time, which of course they think we never give them enough time, but um, sure. even if you're not giving them enough time that you are considerate about it and that you're appreciative of their efforts. And um, so there are goals there. You should have your own personal goals baked into all of the ways that you work, but you should also be getting goals from the leadership of your agency because quite honestly, if they don't know how you're growing. So one of the one of the misnomers I think that AEs make is that you think your boss actually knows what you're doing all day, but he or she is super busy doing what they do all day. And whether you're in an agency of three people or 300 people, they're not actually paying attention to how you spend your day. So you may be going above and beyond. You may be learning new things. You may be getting Google certified. You may be whatever, and you think they know about it. Well, guess what? I'm here to tell you they don't. So one of the great things about goals is if you want to grow and you want to get a raise and you want to get a promotion and you want more responsibility, a great way to do that is to set and achieve goals and share those accomplishments with your supervisors. I think people like to think they're good at setting goals either for themselves or for the people around them. But I think that everyone can always 
take a note by just examining their current goals and seeing where they can revise them. So I, I absolutely agree with that. And that's a, a good insight. Now, shifting the conversation a little bit as we are, I think, kind of getting to the end of our time, uh, talking about the year 2018. One of, one of my favorite podcasts that you do or episodes is our solo casts on your show, Build a Better Agency. And I really, really enjoy when you talk about trends for the year. Yeah. And, and so episode 100 in particular, while not necessarily about trends, uh, you did break down agencies into either falling into being a Wonder Bread factory or a boutique bakery, as you called it. Uh, I just for the sake of consistency, I'll let you kind of just explain the, the, the distinctness between the two types of agencies. But my question is going into this year, 2018, what attributes do you feel like for account managers at both kinds of agencies, which attributes are going to be crucial to succeed this year? So the, the analogy is that some agencies, typically traditional agencies, agencies that have been around a long time that started, uh, you know, in the traditional media um, you know, print, radio, and TV, that sort of thing. Um, they Everything they do is custom. So, you know, it's like walking into a bakery and saying, um, hey, I need a birthday cake and my my family member loves raspberry and almond. And the baker's like, oh, I, I will create a recipe for you and I will make this amazing almond raspberry cake with chocolate and blah, 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 blah. And they never make that cake again, or they never make it quite the same way because no one is coming in and asking for it. So agencies that do pure custom work, like everything they do for a client is, is a kind of a one and done is sort of one way of, and it, and it is the way most older agencies are, and it's the way most older agency owners think and prefer to be. On the flip side, there are a lot of agencies that have emerged in the last decade that are more like Wonder Bread factories. So it's like, okay, we do PPC and SEO, and you can have the green package, the blue package, or the yellow package. And here's what goes into each of those packages. Here's the pricing. In some cases, these are agencies that actually put their pricing on, on a website right? And, and there is not a lot of variation. So you're going to get the wheat bread, the white bread, or the gluten-free bread. That's it. Those are your choices. Here are the prices. The prices are the same for everyone. You know, one of the other things that happens in a boutique bakery is, you know, your cake might be a little more elaborate. So you're going to pay $12 for a cake and I might want something more simple. So I'm going to pay $8. So those are some of the characteristics. And, and, a lot of, of the agency owners that create, have boutique bakery kind of agencies sort of look down their nose a little bit at the, the factory that is the Wonder Bread uh, producer. But the reality is I see the financials of a lot of agencies. Um, and I'm telling you that there, there is great value in producing a smaller subset of things and doing it so consistently that you get really efficient and effective in doing it. And so whether whether you're a web dev shop or you're a PR shop or whatever it is, any kind of agency can adopt this Wonder Bread factory model or this boutique bakery. And neither one is good or bad. They just are different. And in many cases, they reflect the philosophy of the agency owner. So you probably by now sort of have a sense of which agency, which kind of agency you work in. Um, and so, you know, in terms of sort of trends, you know, for, for the, for the wonder bread factory, it really depends on what it is you do. So for example, if you are a web dev and lead gen shop, 
PR is probably not on your radar screen. So you don't need to understand those trends. So one of the great things about being a Wonder Bread factory is you really get to be a specialist and in both probably industry and the kinds of things that you deliver for clients. And so the trends for you are going to be specific in the deliverables that you that you have on on the menu for your clients. But I will say this, that regardless of what it is that you deliver, one of the trends that account people need to get super comfortable with is the idea of being able to track activity all the way to a sale. So, uh, you know, back, back when I started in the business, uh, we, you know, we did a lot of brand stuff and we did a lot of what we called awareness ads and, and that sort of thing. And, and no one actually gave a rip if you could prove that you sold a thing from that work. Well, today, post recession, post 2008 recession, that is very much not the case. And everybody is talking about lead gen and lead scoring and tracking to the sale. But quite honestly, a lot of agencies stink at that. And Mm -hmm. your agency has to get good at it. And it starts with you understanding the sales process of your client and then really being able to track the sale all the way from that first impression or that first engagement with a prospect all the way to a trial or a purchase. Mm-hmm. And and so I think that's easier to do <clears throat> on the Wonder Bread factory side. On the boutique side, I would say that a couple trends that are really emerging are, you know, video is becoming ubiquitous with agency work. If your agency is not, has not figured out how to do videos cost effectively, and I'm not talking a $50,000 video, I'm talking about a $3,000 video, um, you know, because our, our perception of what a good video is has changed, right? So YouTube has dumbed down our idea of what a good video is. And, and honestly, for social and on the web and those things, you know, a whiteboard video or, you know, some of the things that we're seeing come out, um, you know, more commonly today are perfectly fine. We sort of need to get over ourselves on some of that stuff. And I, and and the other, the other thing that's coming like a freight train that I think most agencies have not wrapped their head around is virtual reality. Um, I'm seeing a lot of agencies that are starting to really experiment and explore that. And I think that it's going to be in the next three to five years, it's going to be something that we all are doing on a regular basis in whatever, however it evolves. I'm sure it will not be like it is today. It'll keep evolving, but, but learning about it now while everybody is relatively ignorant about it and just sort of beginning to learn and experiment with it, that's the time to start playing with it. And so I would say AEs need to be doing that. And, you know, I think, I think the other trend that, is not new, but I don't think is going anywhere is this whole idea of life work balance, I think is a myth. Um, I think at best what we get today is life work blend. So because commerce doesn't happen at nine to five and because our clients don't only think about their business from nine to five, our work is not nine to five. But that doesn't mean that you don't also do some of your personal stuff during the day, right? So it really is right. about blending the two and finding ways to protect and keep a balance in terms of the amount of time. But it's not like at five or six o'clock you leave the office and now now it's like it's personal you as opposed to work you, right? It's I mean we don't get to be sort of you know Malibu Barbie versus <laughs> Barbie. So I I think I think you have to really wrap your head around the fact that. You can have a great career at an agency 
and you can have an incredible life and make a good living, but that it is, it's not like working at a bank where it's nine to five. And I think a lot of young AEs have to make a decision around whether or not that fits with how they want to be and how they want their life to be. Those are some very good questions to consider, some good trends to consider. Uh, and I think that, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, when you release on your podcast, your your kind of fuller look at 2018. I'm excited to see there. But yeah, I think I think as an AE, it's it's uh, especially with smartphones becoming as advanced as they are with the prospect of things like driverless cars in a number of years where, you know, how's how is that going to change the average office or the average workday? Right. I think, like you right. said, it's less about how do I how do I compartmentalize these things it's more so how do I blend everything while being able to protect what I'm interested in and what I should be doing so absolutely yeah, those are good good considerations. Well, Drew, I think we're we're just about at the end of our time here. I, I've been so grateful for your insights. I do want to throw a curveball question your way just to keep you on your toes. Um, my question for you is: You're writing a book, but it's not about advertising whatsoever. What's your book about? So I have a murder mystery pretty much sketched out in my head. Um, I just have to carve out the time to sit down and write it. So um, it would, it's uh, the main character is, uh, is a journalist. Cause you know, you have to be able to bump into murders, right? Cause it would, in, of course. My, in my head, of course it would be a series. Um, and, um, and he's a single dad because uh, I am. And so that, I can relate to that. And so it's sort of this interesting blend, ironically, to our conversation of him solving these murder mysteries, but also sort of dealing with uh, raising a daughter on his own. Ah, gotcha. Wow. This sounds sounds deep and and personal and complex. I like it. Well, when you do pen that book or that series, I will I will definitely want to make sure that I'm I'm tuned in with that. Well, Drew, thanks again for being on the show. Um, it was awesome hearing what you had to say about some of the questions and topics we covered. Uh, if any listeners want to connect with you, uh, you know, just maybe kind of pick your brain about some things or get in touch about a workshop with AMI, what is the best way for them to do that, Drew? Yeah, it seems like all roads point to the to the website. So if you go to agencymanagementinstitute.com, um, there's information about all the workshops that we do. All of our AE workshops are in Chicago. We have one coming up in March. Um, and then we'll have another one in September. Uh, and then if you want to reach me, there's a contact tab. Uh, but my email is just drew at agencymanagementinstitute.com. Perfect. All right. Well, Drew, thanks again for being on the show. Really happy to have you on here and just kind of get get your thoughts on how we can be better with our clients. Um, definitely looking forward to staying in touch. And again, thank you. You bet. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And a huge thank you to all the guy and gal listeners out there. This is the end of another episode of Suitscast. If you ever have a burning question you'd love to hear addressed in the show, or maybe you just want to get in touch with me and leave some feedback, I would love to hear from you. Please shoot me an email at suitscast at gmail.com. One more time, that's suitscast at gmail.com. And lastly, if you'd like to support SuitsCast, there are two ways you can do so. The first way, if you haven't done so already, is to subscribe so you'll know exactly when the next episode is ready for your next listening session. And secondly, head on over to Apple Podcasts app if you aren't already there and leave a review for the show. Let me know and potential listeners know exactly what your thoughts are on SuitsCast. And with that, that is all the time we have for today. Thanks again so much. See you next time and Suits out.